Welcome to the Coventry Vineyard Podcast. Wherever and whenever you're listening, we hope you're blessed by this message. If you want to find out more about our church or speak with someone about Jesus, head to coventryvineyard.org. I say it a lot, but it is a privilege to serve this community as youth pastor and um, having two of the youth here this morning are going to help me with the talk. It's a privilege to share the stage with them. Their stories are have inspired me, have encouraged me, and um, yeah, I'm so excited. They're going to be getting baptised in a few weeks, and this morning they are sharing their story, and um, oh, I forgot the clicker, what else can go wrong? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we will come on to that for a f- in a few minutes, but um, I have some questions, because the kids are all staying in this morning, I have some questions. Uh, that if you come and see me at the end and tell me the answer, I've got a little treat for you. So the first question is, uh, oh yeah, hold on, did it wrong, brilliant. What question does Jesus ask the disciples? This one is a little bit sneaky because he actually asked them two questions. And then the other question is, which disciple answers Jesus' second question? So which disciple answers Jesus' second questions? And how many times do I touch my nose while I'm talking? Just to make sure that you all stayed engaged. So make sure you're counting. So let me run through those again because they're going to disappear in a few minutes. What question does Jesus ask the disciples? It's got two answers. Which disciple answers Jesus' second question? And how many times do I touch my nose while I am preaching? Um, so, this morning, we are continuing our journey through the book of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. Um, and it, we are looking at an encounter with Jesus that um, I have come back to time and time again uh, in my Christian walk. And every time I've learned something new about Jesus and the hope that he holds for us, in the kingdom, he has placed both, and this is really important, he's placed it within us, and he has also given us the keys. So those are two different things that Jesus, Matthew is writing about. So the title of my talk this morning is Personal Transformation and the Keys to the Kingdom. More about that in a second, but first of all, I would like to tell you a story uh, when I was a, have you ever had an experience that has left an impact on you permanently? I have, and I still think about it to this day. When I was a student, I went to art college, and um, I was a little bit obsessed with um, a, a painter called Van Gogh, and uh, Van Gogh, and um, he. I had a he did this famous painting called The Irises, and I had a mug with the irises on, I had a t-shirt, I had an irises notebook, an irises diary, I had irises poster on my wall, I was like obsessed with this picture. And uh, everywhere I went, I would talk about how excellent it was, and people that know me will be like, yeah, yeah, you did, <laughs> you talked about it all the time. And uh, finally, in my second year of university, I... Um, signed up to go on a trip to Amsterdam and uh, it was like an art history trip. I didn't care about art history but I knew that the Van Gogh Museum was there and if I went to the Van Gogh Museum I would be able to see the real picture close up for the first time. 
And um, uh, I got to go to this museum and uh, I saw his painting and I stood in front of it. It's, it's way bigger than you think. Like most paintings are way smaller when you see them, but this one so big. And um, the intensity of the picture moved me so much that I had to get rid of all my replicas I got rid of my, I didn't write anything down, planner, for the rest of the year because I threw my diary away. Got rid of the mug, threw it away, got rid of the, I just couldn't accept it anymore. And um, the beauty of the real image eclipsed the replica. In the story we're going to read this morning and in the stories that um, Karis and Faith are going to share with you in just a few minutes, there is an encounter, there are three encounters with the real Jesus that alters them forever. And it's made them unable to accept anything other than this real thing. So we're going to just look for a second at the context that this encounter takes place. Jesus and the disciples have been getting to know each other a little bit. They've been doing ministry together for a while, and uh, they're a little bit frazzled. And as Jesus likes to do, he gets them all in the boat, and he's like, right, we're going to just spend some time together, guys. And uh, they realize that someone has forgotten to bring the bread. And they all start, if you read just a little bit earlier, they start like nudging each other, like, you tell him. You t- it was your fault. You tell him. And they start like trying to get someone to take responsibility for the forgotten bread. Uh, and literally one column earlier in my Bible, Jesus has multiplied bread and fed 4,000 people. But they have forgotten this. And they're all like really nervous. Someone's going to have to tell Jesus we forgot the bread. And um, Jesus tells them, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. And the disciples miss the point entirely and still think Jesus is concerned about the fact that, and I'm going to guess that it was probably Peter forgot the bread. So it reminds me of when you go on a family holiday, and uh, uh, hopefully my mum won't ever watch this, but uh, it is impossible for the McCarthy family to leave on a holiday without having a little argument or a massive argument. And then when you get on the holiday, everyone's like... uh, when you get to the holiday, you have the most amazing time and the argument over the time to leave or how you pack the car or in our family, it was often who gets to sit in the front, that uh, those arguments are forgotten. It's like, is that just my family or no? Okay, good. Thank you. We are normal. Well, maybe a little bit closer, but prior to this encounter, Jesus had this discussion with disciples, this little telling off and he says to them, He reminds the disciples of his miracles of abundant provision. And he reminds them that forgetting the bread is no problem for the creator of all the bread. But the problem, and this is a really good reminder for us. As I was reading this this week, I was like, what a reminder. We spend so much time worrying about how God will provide for us. But actually what we need to be chasing out of our lives, we need to get ruthless with this, is that we need to get rid of legalism and dogma and all the things that we've been taught that Christians should do. Oh, I hate that phrase, should. So this little nugget of the story sets the stage for this encounter with Jesus. This encounter that says, reminds us to get rid of that legalism, get rid of those behaviours that have 
been on us like a tyrant to obey. And let's have an encounter with the real Jesus who can create bread from nothing. So I'm going to be reading this morning from Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20. And um, if you are able, could you please stand for the Bible reading? When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, which is by the sea, he asked his disciples, who do the people, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Oh, not quite yet. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bound in heaven and whatever you loose on or will be bound in heaven and on what and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven then he orders his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the messiah okay you can sit down this encounter with jesus is fascinating and there are two things i really want to explore this morning The first is Peter's answers to the question, who do you say I am? And the impact that has in his life. The second is that the things the Holy Spirit, our faithful teacher, our very faithful teacher, the things that he reveals to you are the keys to unlocking the kingdom in you and in other people. And they are almost never almost never, 99% of the time, they're never the things that we think or, or suspect. So let's examine this question a little further before we move on. Who do you say I am? Is there a more important question in our lives than to answer Jesus when he asks, who do you say I am? Peter responds with the phrase, you are the Christ the son of the living God. Now, we've had that word around for a long time, haven't we? We've known about that word. It's in our vernacular. It's it's very easy. We refer to Jesus as Jesus Christ all the time. Um, But this is the first time that someone has declared Jesus as the Christ since his birth and the start of his public ministry. So we're learning, while we may be familiar to this, with this term, we've heard it as a swear word even, it is important to emphasize that this title has a lot of meaning underneath it. It's not just Jesus Christ. It's, it's got depth. There are many, many words. There are many, much meaning to it. So um, this is what it means. Um, it means chosen by God. Okay, let's start there. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Jesus, you are the Christ chosen by God. 
Peter says, you are the Christ chosen by God, set apart for his service. You are the Christ chosen by God, set apart for his service, having the power to accomplish the task. And then he says, you are the Christ, the ideal king, anointed, empowered as a rescuer of all people. Okay, let's just take a moment. You are the Christ. Look at that list. It's not suddenly, it's raised the stakes for us a little bit, hasn't it? If, uh, it's the, it is for Peter a declaration of absolute trust in Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God. It came at a time, if you look historically, there were lots of people walking around, teachers claiming to be God. But Peter saw something in Jesus. And remember, like I said earlier, this is the Jewish culture and they are used to standing far away from God. One person once a year, not even one man, once a year got to go into God's presence. And they were used to obeying the rules. Obey, obey, obey. Do this on this day. Do this on this day. And if you, if you keep all these rules, then my presence will go with you. And yet Peter's statement is a statement of intimacy, a statement of intimate relationship between Jesus and God and between Jesus and his followers. And up until this point, this is really one of those catalyst moments, those changes of gear. Um, And up until this point, it's been unstated and a very organic process. Jesus gathered the disciples. They kind of started going along with him. They kind of started to do a little bit of the ministry. But this statement is a statement that reveals their bonding with Jesus. Peter's bonding particularly in his mission, in his ministry, and in his identity. So just like... You are the Christ, the son of the living God, which means all of these things. And I am with you in that, is Peter's declaration. It's absolutely a moment of clarity for Peter. Comes from a boldness that can only be found when you you know that you know that you know. The boldness that Peter has uh, comes from this clarity of thinking. Clarity in his head brings momentum to his declaration and transforms him forever. If we can have that kind of clarity in our thinking and our speaking, wouldn't that, I would just love that for a moment, just that for a moment to have that kind of clarity, we will find a new momentum in our walk with Jesus. If we are to reach our neighbors with a hope that transcends transcends difficulties we will no longer be able to accept replicas of Jesus that we see in our culture and we're going to have the boldness to challenge people who misrepresent our Christ because he is this and we need to know and um so like I say this all the time but it goes without saying again My job as youth pastor is an incredible privilege. I get to walk through life and watch young people come into this uh, moment and, um, and discover who Jesus really is and who he has created them to be and who he has created them as in his image. So, uh, Karis and Faith are going to come up now. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. 
we have been um, talking about this question for a while now, and um, they are going to share their stories of this, uh, their answer to this question, who do you say Jesus is? Um, they're, they're a little bit nervous, but it's okay. Um, all right, you're going to have to pick up the microphone. <laughs> Good start, all right. Hi, um, I'm Karis. Oh, morning. That's, that's more polite, isn't it? Um, I'm Karis, and I'm part of the youth here at Vineyard. And um, I'm going to be answering Serena's questions. So, um, growing up, I thought being a Christian meant you got to have a happy, perfect life. And it was all going well for me till uh, age four me falls off my bike in Longford Park and scrapes my knee. And I, I thought it was the end of the world. And um, I, I went home, I went home, been there five minutes, and I'd gone. But... Um, I got home and it was all fixed by a plaster and a kiss and a hug. But some situations aren't fixed as quickly. So as I've grown up, a lot of situations have felt unfixable. Um, like when I lost my mum, it felt like there was nothing I could do to make it all okay again. Like the whole situation was hopeless. And it got better over time, like most situations do. But there's still pain. But residing in God really helped. Um, at DTI, um, we met this woman called Debbie Wright, and I'm sure, as a lot of you know, um, she's the, what's the word? The leader of like, vineyard churches in the UK. And um, she did a big talk on how some things can't be fixed uh, without God. Um, she talked about a dire situation that had damaged a friendship and caused unspeakable pain to her and those around her. And her story of how God redeemed her in this horrific situation was really fascinating and really showed me that God can fix anything when you abide in him and tell him your problems. We talked about this a lot in the car that day, and I really wanted to feel that redemption, but I just didn't think it was possible. But I was very wrong. That night, another woman called Laura Hancock spoke, and afterwards came and prayed with us, and it just felt everything, like, I just felt everything had weighed off me. Um, if you'd have asked me the question, um, who is Jesus, six weeks ago, I probably would have said something along the lines of, um, give her perfect lives. Um, to some people. However, if you now ask me, I see the redeemer of the unredeemable and repaired situations. Can you hear me? Right. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Faith. Um, and as I grew up, I totally had the wrong impression of God. Like, going to a Catholic school really taught me that God was, like, a tyrant, and I had to obey rules, and I had behaviours to share, and it really put me off religion. But being at this church has really shown me the definition of a relationship with God as a friend, rather than a tyrant. And it all started when little year seven Carrie dragged me to youth. <laughs> and I actually really enjoyed it. And then the next week, she also invited me to church, which, again, I really enjoyed and I didn't think I was going to like it, but it was actually really fun. So now I see Jesus as a friend rather than someone I need to obey. And I realised this because of detail in 2019, when we all went to late night worship, because the atmosphere in there was actually, like, indescribable. Like, everyone in there was in there for the same reason, and it felt like a community. Like, before DTI, I thought I was just Caris' friend tagging along, but it actually made me feel like I belonged. Since then, I've developed a relationship with God that I never thought I was going to have, and it helped me control my temper and respect myself and who God has created me to be. However, this year's DTI was a catalyst moment in my faith journey. Laura Hancock, who was one of the main speakers in a room of like 600 people, 
picked me out and told me that she saw me standing before God with my arms out to him and that I needed to let go of things and let him in. It was crazy because I was like, I've never met her before. And it's, I was like, how does she know that about me? And I don't even know what happened next, but I just broke down into tears. And ever since then, I've felt more at peace with myself and aware that God is at work in my life and he doesn't need to be obeyed or feared. And if you used to ask me a year ago who Jesus was, I would have said a dictator or a controller. But now I describe him as a friend that I can talk about the good and the bad to. And honestly, I think it's made my life ten times better. Thank you so much for sharing your stories. You can go and sit down. Um, I just wish I had the clarity, their, their clarity of thinking and the boldness that you guys have when I was your age. So, um, okay. Our answer to this question is only going to get more important as we walk through these next few months. All right, different head. Okay, here we go. If Peter's answer to this question is surprising and bold, then Jesus' response is perhaps even more surprising. He says this. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let me start by saying this. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to those ladies. I I was there. I might have asked a few questions along the way, but that is not something that I conjured up in them. I'm humbled that God chose to use me. And I pray that for the young people and for you in this church a lot, that flesh and blood, that you would have something revealed to you of the kingdom of heaven that is not revealed to you by flesh and blood. Because whatever it is that I say can be taken away. And whatever is revealed to you or revealed to us by our Father in heaven cannot be taken away from us. Isn't that amazing? So I want to take a moment to look at the connection between those two things. Totally lost my place. The truths that have been revealed to you by the Spirit of God, by your Father in heaven, are often the things that God is going to use you to unlock the kingdom of heaven in other people. He places it within you and reveals it to you to unlock in others. Comes in to go out. I find this incredibly encouraging. It is not my strengths that unlock the kingdom. It is not my abilities that lock the kingdom. It is not things that have been, it is those things that have been revealed to me by the spirit of God that will unlock the kingdom within me and for others. And that sent me reflecting back on my life and my youth ministry particularly. And what the things that have been revealed to me by the Spirit of God, and when they were revealed, my observation is that it was at the most painful, lonely, and difficult times, in the midst of massive failure, 
in the midst of completely unredeemable situations, there was a whisper from the Spirit of God that I was not alone, that he was my hiding place, that I was safe in his presence. And it starts with stories like these these women have just shared, stories when there was a shift in your thinking, a story where a situation seemed unredeemable or pain unbearable or a thought pattern unchangeable. We have an encounter with the real Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God, and this wonderful king and the magnificent kingdom is unlocked within us, giving us the keys to unlock it in others. I um, have been a Christian for quite a long time now. It will be uh, 30 years in November. That's, nah, that's, ooh, that's, that's a long time. And um, I want to suggest that much like the stories we heard this morning, the truth that is revealed to us by the Spirit of God will unlock the kingdom of God in us is rarely the things that you think you did a good job at. <laughs> it's rarely when you uh, feel like you're winning at life. I've just reread um, this week The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and there's a moment when Reepicheep, the mouse, is preparing to go beyond the shore, and he says this, there are some things that can only be seen by eyes that have cried. And I feel like I want to encourage you this morning that your tears, your sadness, your sorrow is not in vain. It, it will reveal something to you of the Spirit of God that will give you the boldness and clarity to unlock the kingdom of God in other people. It's that vulnerability that says, you know, I'm not going to paint myself in a good light. I'm not going to persuade or reason with you, but I'm going to share with you that which has been revealed to me by the Spirit of God. Um that transformation, that moment of clarity when we see who Jesus is for the first time. So we're coming into land this morning. It's been a bit of a crazy morning, but I want, there are a couple of questions I want us to consider um, before we close. Have you had an encounter with the real Jesus and how did that bring momentum to your walk with him? I think over the last year, we've kind of just had so much, haven't we? And this morning, Jesus wants to give us or remind us of our encounter with him, where we had a clarity of thinking, maybe for the first time. And then the second question is, what are the truths that have been revealed to you by your Father in heaven, and how can they unlock the kingdom for yourself and others? So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to, um, yeah, Father, I thank you that you are not a God far away. You are not a God with rules that we must obey. You are a God that desires friendship with us, desires to walk with us in the cool of the day. You are a God that is intimate, and you are the God, of, you are the God that is the Redeemer, the one that brings back death from death to life. And I thank you that there are things that we have seen of your kingdom with eyes that have cried and that you have unlocked your kingdom within us and you're going to use us to unlock that kingdom in other people.
Thanks for tuning in today. We would love to connect with you on a Sunday morning soon. Bless you and have a great week.